It's Friday. Hallelujah. It is Friday. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, nine after the hour. You're listening to WSB. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Them's the numbers. I got to tell you, people, people have lost their sense of humor. Well, I, I shouldn't say people. People on the internet have lost their sense of humor. So Jim Acosta, he is the CNN reporter who is no longer allowed to ask questions at the press briefing because the president has decided it's not worth his time. And by the way, Jim Acosta really isn't a bad guy. I, I don't necessarily agree with what he's done. I think he's put himself in the center of the story, but he's not a bad guy. But he So he gets on Twitter this morning and he tweets, Good morning, Mr. President. What is your administration doing about the hurricane to keep Texans safe? I replied back, Jim, this is the wrong question. The right question is, Mr. President, what are you going to do to keep the hurricane safe from Texas? Because Texans don't play. And you would think that I was advocating mass death of Texans. I mean, people have no sense of humor. How dare you ask this? This is a natural disaster. You're making light of death. How dare you? I mean, come on, people. It, it, it was a joke. And it was a rather funny joke, if you must know. <laughs> Whether or not I should laugh at my own joke is, is another matter. But still, I mean, people losing their sense of humor over this stuff. Now, let's get to the substance of the question, though. Jim Acosta wants to know what the president of the United States is going to do to keep Texans safe. Well, Texans have a government of their own called the state of Texas. It has a governor. It has a legislature. It has a national guard. It seems like the first line of defense should be that government and not the federal government. The idea, this nanny statism that we've got out there now, that that the, the government of the United States is the be-all, end-all of everything, that the government of the United States has to take care of everybody, it is one of the most noxious notions at play right now. And, you know, it, it comes at a time, um, there's a story out there in New York Magazine that the left has rediscovered federalism. Hallelujah. They want their sanctuary cities. They want their local marijuana laws. They want all these things. I say let them. Listen, I am not endorsing sanctuary cities. Don't I, I don't want anyone to accuse me of endorsing sanctuary cities. But if your local government does not want to round up illegal aliens for the federal government, and have your local government enforcing a federal law, don't do it. There is well-settled constitutional precedent on this point, and I think we should go with it. I know that makes some of my conservative friends mad when I say that because they're opposed to sanctuary cities. So am I. You don't have to go to the sanctuary city. But I think that both sides need to respect federalism. In fact, I think federalism is the cure for what ails us, except there is one problem I'll tell you what it is after we check with Doug Turnbull on traffic. Thank you very much. So the problem with the federalism argument, and it, it by the way, it is, I, I, I'm a full proponent of federalism. I think federalism is the cure to what ails us, the let each state decide its path. Um, if you want abortion and gay marriage in California, that's fine. You don't have to have it in Georgia. We'll eventually breed California out of existence, but I mean, let them do it. 
but let us do it as well. And that's the problem is we're not allowed to. You know, the, Frank Brunei in the New York Times today has a big piece on the most gay-friendly and gay-hostile states in the nation. And one of the examples he uses is in Texas, where uh, Texas has allowed Christian adoption agencies to continue to help place children in homes without having to allow gay adoption. Christian agencies, by and large, would still believe that marriage is between a man and a woman only adopt two two-parent nuclear heterosexual households. And the thinking in Texas was, are we in this for gay people or are we in this for kids? Well, they decided they're in this for kids. And what would be best? Well, to have as many adoption agencies as possible to help uh, process children and get them into loving homes. So they allowed it. Now, here in Georgia... Uh, we've got Republicans who are opposed to that. We have Republicans in Georgia who are opposed to take the, the, the gay rights activist side that we cannot allow Christian adoption agencies to help place children into foster homes and adoptive homes unless they give up their standards on marriage. Now, we should be allowed to have that. We should be allowed to say, you know what, uh, we're going to allow Christians the right to free exercise of their religion outside a church walls, which is what our founders intended, which is what the Constitution says, without denying them the right to participate in government. So if you're gay and you want to adopt a child, there are literally dozens of places you can go, if not hundreds of places you can go, to adopt a child. You're not being discriminated against because you can't go to the Christian adoption agency. You've got plenty of places you can go. But the Christian adoption agency would be discriminated against if it was not allowed to participate in helping place kids. What's more important, that a gay person can go to an adoption agency run by Christians and adopt a child, or the fact that a child can be adopted because there's a Christian adoption agency helping? I would suggest that we put the value of the kids first, but gay rights activists think it's a hate crime if you allow Christians to live out their faith in their business, which is what the First Amendment says, the free exercise of religion. Exercise does not mean worship. It means in your daily life. And the left loves federalism, but they only love federalism in the extent that they're allowed to do it. They don't want anyone else to practice it. And that's the problem, and that's why we're going to come to a nasty head here. And frankly, our Republicans in leadership in this country, are cowards. They are in Georgia and even in Texas to a degree. In Alabama, in North Carolina, in South Carolina, in Florida, in Tennessee, you name the state. Republican leaders are a bunch of cowards. And they will not lead and they will continue to surrender. We're seeing this even with the statue fight. Do you know a, a statue in Ohio at the state capitol was beheaded overnight? The statue was of a man who was friends with George Washington, fought in the Revolutionary War, and the Antifa groups beheaded him, confusing him for a Confederate. And there are a lot of Republican leaders in the country like, oh, we're just, we gotta, we gotta let this slide. We, we got to do something. We, we, we can't stand up to these people. It'll make us look bad in the press. We got a bunch of moral cowards for Republican leaders. This adoption issue is going to be a fight in Georgia, and you need to be aware of this fight that's coming because you've got the Republican leadership in the state 
on the side of the gay rights activists opposed to the Christians in the state. On the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, on on adoption, you name it. You may not have heard to the extent to which the Republican leaders in the state are opposed to Christians being able to participate in adoption. I will tell you when we come back. Eric Erickson and Atlanta's Evening News. Who is that guy? I love The information you need and the truth you demand every night on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Atlanta's Evening News is sponsored by Comcast Business. I got people asking me, uh, what I think of this uh, Hickenlooper Kasich Dream Team Unity ticket, the press is is going gaga over. I'll I'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, I, I you know I want to spend a couple of minutes here. This is a short segment, but I think I can do it on what we should expect next year. Georgia has not updated its adoption laws in decades. And this past year in the legislature, they intended to do it. But members of the state Senate insisted a provision be put in that allowed people who are faithful adherents of religion to be able to participate in the state adoption program without abandoning their deeply held religious beliefs. And gay rights activists decided it was more important to get rid of that language than to allow Christians to help place children in loving homes. No one disputes, no one disputes that there are adoption agencies in Georgia already that will serve the gay, lesbian, transgender, QQAPPT, whatever, ABCDEFG community. No one disputes that. The state itself will do it. And instead of also having additional groups to help, but groups that won't because they're Christian, gay rights activists decided we got to shut this down. We got we to stop them. And the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker of the house sided with the gay rights activists. See, in the state senate, there were Republicans who insisted that language be put in the legislation saying that Christians could place children in adoption in foster homes and adoptive families without giving up their deeply held beliefs. They would be allowed to help the state. And the gay rights activists, they they refused to have that language in there, and the leadership in the state agreed with the gay rights activists. Now, the gay rights activists say, well, this is discrimination against us. I would say it's discrimination against the Christians to do otherwise. What you're telling Christians is you've got a constitutional provision that says you are entitled to the free exercise of your religion and the state has to allow you to do this. But if you want to participate in a state program, you have to give that up. Well, you shouldn't have to because it's written in the Constitution. What you're saying is that people have to give up a constitutional freedom in order to have access to a state program, which is unconstitutional. But the gay rights activists and the state Republican leaders didn't care. We had a, a an effort to change adoption laws in the state. And because Christians were going to be allowed to participate without abandoning their views on marriage, the leadership of the state scuttled the legislation. And it's going to come back up this year. 
And they're already saying, if you include the provision allowing Christians to participate in adoption this coming year, we're going to scuttle it again. That we should do that separately. Well, you know, the reason they want to do it separately, the governor is urging them to pass a separate piece of legislation saying Christians will be allowed to do this. Well, because he wants to veto it. That, I mean, that's all the, that, that is the scam here. That's what's going on. The governor said if you passed RIFRA, he would sign it. They passed RIFRA. He vetoed it under pressure from the business community. Texas had the guts to stand up and, and, and say Christians should be allowed to participate without giving up their deeply held religious beliefs. But in Georgia, well, we're not manly enough like the Texans. We, we, we will cave under pressure in Georgia to Hollywood, the business community, and gay rights activists. You need to understand that this fight is coming. 39 after the hour, I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'll get into the Hickenlooper or Kasich News here in just a minute. But I, I, I want to stick with this, this theme of, of the cowardice of the Republican Party. I hear all the time that the Republicans at the state, regardless of dysfunction in Washington, regardless of the feuding between congressional Republicans and Donald Trump and whatnot, regardless of all of that, that at the state level, Republicans are functional and they get the job done. But here's the problem with that, what we're seeing increasingly uh, from states like Georgia and elsewhere, is that when they say Republicans get the job done, Republicans are getting the job done of big businesses. They're not necessarily getting the job done of their voters. Take the issue of transgenders in the bathroom and look at how the North Carolina Republicans came. They, they came under inordinate media pressure. Turns out, by the way, the economic study from the University of North Carolina shows there was no economic damage, despite all the claims that there were. And they ultimately caved. It was a galvanizing issue, they claimed. Uh, the Republicans still kept the legislature. Yeah, the governor lost. Um, the governor lost with high in some serious irregularities in a couple of counties. But you know the the issue is that Republicans they won't fight in the culture war, and the left knows it. You had the issue of the little girl coming home from school in tears in California. Because a child in her class stood up and announced, I think it was that she was now a he, and put on boy clothes, and the teacher applauded it and told the kids that it was all normal. And more than one kid went home upset, thinking that they could spontaneously turn into the opposite sex. You had, in California as well, you had an elementary school student who was sent to the principal's office because he would not refer to the boy in his class as a girl, even though the boy decided he was a girl. And it wouldn't use the, the correct pronoun. Went to the office. What, what part of freedom of speech do we not get here? Now you've got the left out there saying we need to curtail freedom of speech. I mean, see, these issues are bigger than just transgenderism. It goes to free speech issues. It goes to constitutional issues. I mean, like the free exercise of religion provision of the First Amendment. All RIFRA says is that we're going to protect the free exercise of religion in the same way we protect the freedom of speech. But now freedom of speech is under attack as well. And you've got Republicans in state legislatures around the country who are refusing to stand up to the madness. And it is madness. 
I mean, we have lost our minds. Did y'all see the article in the Spectator, the London Spectator, where a, a, a student, a young lady, spent time on a college campus in America and, and came away thinking that the whole country suffering mental illness, that everyone walks on tiptoes, afraid of offending anyone, and, and the slightest offense can lead to an expulsion or a suspension, even if the story is made up, like, like the girl who carried the mattress around for t- artistic expression, claiming she had been raped, destroyed a guy's career, or destroyed his livelihood, destroyed his life. And Republicans don't fight because they, they're afraid the media will treat them badly. They are afraid the media will say not nice things about them. And they are afraid the business community might not give them money. They are putting Hollywood values over your values. I mean, just take Georgia. The governor vetoed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act because Hollywood businesses told the governor that if he let this law go into effect, that they would stop taking your taxpayer dollars. I mean, that, that's what it was. They would stop taking your taxpayer dollars if the governor signed RIFRA into law. I, I say let them stop taking our taxpayer dollars. But the powers that be in Atlanta disagreed. And this happens routinely, this happens frequently, this happens often, and no one wants to stand up for the voters. The voters of this state, overwhelmingly, on a bipartisan basis, no less, believe that you should not force a Christian to have to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. No one that I know of believes that a Christian should say no gays allowed. But they do, almost to a person, believe that a Christian should be able to say, I'm not participating in a religious ceremony contrary to my faith. But no one in the state legislature wants to stand up for him at the leadership level. You got plenty of members of the legislature who agree they passed it before, but the governor vetoed it. And Republicans nationwide are being held hostage by big businesses threatening to withhold money. And they're scared of losing that money as opposed to actually losing their culture. Now, some of you just want to get home. We better go check with Doug Turnbull. Doug, sorry to keep you waiting. Look, I, I could spend all night on this topic. We got other stuff we need to move on to. We got to talk about Gary Cohen and his situation in the White House. Uh, we got to talk about John Kasich and Hickenlooper. You know, Kasich, I, yeah, I said consistently throughout 2016, as much as I wasn't a fan of Donald Trump's, I would vote for Donald Trump in a heartbeat over John Kasich, and that has not changed. It really hasn't. Uh, I, I would gladly support Donald Trump over John Kasich. Uh, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. And we'll get into that as well. Uh, But let me just finish off this thought. Uh, The culture war is not going to stop. The left is making great advances. They have no incentive to stop. They can't leave well enough alone and there will be no compromise. You will be made to care. You will be made to care. You will be made to have a position and you will be punished if you think wrongly. This is why we have elected leaders in a representative democracy, but the representative leaders... The Republican leaders are giving in to the mob. They are scared of the mob. And the only way to make them do what you expect them to do is to make them more afraid of you than the mob. And you know they're afraid of you because in the in the year before the election, they went through the dog and pony show of passing RIFRA, or in the year of the election. And the moment the election was over and the governor had vetoed, oh, we don't need to do this anymore. They're scared of you. We have an election coming up in 2018. RIFRA? Christian agencies participating in adoption, these are all big issues we need to prepare for and be willing to stand up for and be willing to fight for and make the legislature scared of you. 
When everything's changing around you, there's a voice that's consistent and honest. Eric Erickson. Every day, 5 till 7, News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Can I just say, I feel like I've got gravel in my mouth. Uh, yes, I'm, for those of you who are just tuning in, if I sound a little off, I've got like real braces in my mouth now. They're the Invisalign things, but they've got these little attachments that they stick on your teeth. And I got some on my two front teeth. So when I put my lip down, it, it, it just touches these things. I feel like I got gravel or something in my mouth half the time I'm talking. Uh, this, this became necessary though. And my, my orthodontist who listens to the show said that if, if I didn't get this done in about 10 years, I would be having serious trouble talking. Uh, my, we had a quack dentist growing up, lived in rural Louisiana and he, we would come home during the summer from Dubai. Every other year, we'd go see this quack dentist who pulled two of my adult teeth that shouldn't have been pulled. And my bottom teeth have begun, ever since I got my wisdom teeth taken out a few years ago, they've begun folding backwards. And so we're having to, to redo It's such a pain in the butt. Uh, 10 to 15 months of this nonsense. And I just, I, I'm glad I don't have the metal braces. My, my daughter has the metal braces. And these are livable, but I, if if I sound a little off on the radio, I want you guys to know what's going on right now is I got this stuff in my mouth, and I can't take these things out to talk on the radio. You're only allowed to take them out uh, 30 minutes a time, up to uh, two hours a day, and they're virtually impossible to get out of my mouth. Uh, this is a great uh, diet and weight loss plan because I hate taking these things out uh, in any event. When we come back, uh, I want to get into the, the Gary Cohen story. The, the didn't want to be chased off by neo-Nazis. Uh, some, almost submitted his resignation to the president. Janet Yellen uh, embracing the Obama legacy. She's probably not going to get reappointed to the Fed. And before any of that, uh, Hickenlooper and Kasich, they want a dream unity team. Good Lord, they're insufferable. We'll be back. Welcome back. Nine after the hour, Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on this Friday. Praise Jesus. I am ready for the weekend. It is uh, my 11-year-old turns 12 this weekend. We are, we got a birthday party, a family birthday party. You know, I got to tell you, I forgot to order the cake. I did. I got up this morning um, and had to had to call a, a bakery in, in Carrollton that we you get cakes from they make fantastic cakes it's like i'm sorry we we had a disaster and i mean christine and i thought the other one had taken care of it and thankfully they were able to work us in for tomorrow hallelujah um in any event okay uh we got to move on uh, Kasich and hickenlooper uh john Kasich is the governor of ohio john hickenlooper is the governor of colorado he used to be the mayor of denver Johns, they call them. Yeah, they are political prostitutes. And they are thinking they want a dream team Democratic ticket. <laughs> uh, y'all, I, I assume that their motto for 2020 will be smug and insufferable because that's what they are. They are smug and insufferable. John Kasich in particular. Kasich has forever... Um, it, it been, it, he's such a jerk. I mean, so I, I don't like John Kasich and you, you deserve an explanation for why I don't like John Kasich. 
Back when I was in law school, I worked for Saxby Chambers, who to this day now um, refuses to pretend that he even knows who I am, uh, despite me driving him around Georgia because he just he I'm I'm one of those right wing crazies. So, uh, but I used to drive Saxby around, and I had he had a fundraiser with John Kasich. This was back when Kasich was on Fox News. I have driven celebrities around before. I have I've driven Charleston Heston before. Um, who else? I mean, I, I've I've met plenty of famous people in my life. I, I know some some uh, very very extremely prominent Hollywood celebrities, and who it would be terrible for their careers if people knew that we were friends. <laughs> um, and I. I, I I mean, I Kasich was just somebody. I, I mean, I, I I've been around the CNN people before. I I and the Fox people. Kasich was a different breed altogether. And I will never forget driving him and Saxby to this event. Uh, and he only wanted to talk about himself. He was condescending to everyone. He was not a pleasant person. And. In other encounters with other people, I've told the story and they said, that's him. I mean, I, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that it was a one-off thing. But Kasich's not a nice person. He's not a pleasant person. He is an egotist. He is smug and insufferable. And so is John Hickenlooper. And I would, I mean, I would knock on doors. I would, I, I would go door to door for Donald Trump in 2020 if John Kasich and John Hickenlooper were running against him, I mean, that would do it for me. These two people do not need to be anywhere near the White House. And it is telling to me that these two people with these big, massive egos think that they are the two who can solve America's problems and begin to heal the nation. No, they can't. Um, they've got egos that are too big to do that. Uh, more uh, Some more thoughts on this, though, um, because the Democrats are about to go nuts over this. But first, let's check with Doug on traffic. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, Democrats are losing their mind over this because Democrats think they have a shot at beating Trump. And Democrats don't think they have to moderate in order to beat Trump in 2020. In fact, they are going gangbusters uh, on the idea that they can be insufferable leftists, Antifa supporters, and win the White House in 2020 and believe that half the America, half the Americans out there are racist. Howard Dean has said now that he thinks that if you vote Republican in 2018, you're a racist. The Democrats are overplaying their hand with this, and they don't even realize it. In 2000, if you voted for George W. Bush, you were a racist. In 2002, if you voted Republican, you were propping up a racist. In 2004, if you voted for Bush, you were a racist. In 2006, if you voted Republican, you were propping up a racist. In 2008, if you voted for McCain over Obama, you clearly were a racist because you were opposing the black man. In 2010, the Tea Party was racist. In 2012, the Mormon was racist. In 2014, the Republicans were racist. In 2016, Trump was racist. But this time, we really mean it. This time, he really is that bad. Talk about crying wolf. They have learned nothing. The Democrats have learned nothing. They tar and feather anyone who opposes them as a racist. Everyone who isn't a Democrat is a racist. Um, That's crazy talk. It's madness. It's not true. But there are Democrats who really believe it. Folks, they wouldn't say it if they didn't believe it. Some would, but not most of them. Howard Dean would not. 
Howard Dean really believes that, listen, I got a buddy of mine who's on MSNBC with him regularly and says Dean really does come unhinged about this stuff. He really does believe these things, that if you vote Republican, you're a racist, you're propping up a racist, you're a bad person. Donald Trump won with a lot of voters who voted for Barack Obama. In fact, Donald Trump would not have won the presidency but for securing the support of a sizable number of Democrats who had voted for Barack Obama and wanted nothing to do with Hillary Clinton or anything more to do with Barack Obama. Democrats who, as I've told you before in the exit polls, showed that they thought Democrats, Hillary Clinton in particular, were more interested in putting men in women's bathrooms than putting people back to work. And the Democrats think that they can double down on the social justice warrior nonsense. That if you if you support leaving Robert E. Lee on Stone Mountain, you're a racist. If you support leaving Thomas Jefferson on, on the uh, nickel, you've got to be a racist because he was a slave owner. If you believe in the Declaration of Independence, you've got to be a racist because it was written by a bunch of slave owners. If you don't support gay marriage, you're a bigot. If you don't allow, if you aren't willing to provide goods and services to a gay wedding, you're a bigot. If you don't believe in transgenderism, you're a bigot. You're a hateful, racist bigot if you don't believe the Democrats. They, they really believe this stuff. And a majority of Americans don't. And they don't seem to be able to process this. They, they don't seem to understand that uh, their behavior is turning off Americans. And, and I, listen, I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. But because of that, you've got Democrats who are going to be livid if you had a Hickenlooper Kasich team because they would want to run as moderates. Well, you, you got a bunch of people saying the moderate Republicans are the ones who would be really hacked off by it. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I, I do really think that the Democrats would have open warfare. I mean, they are grooming Elizabeth Warren for this. They want a left-leaning uh, communist to be the Democratic nominee now that Bernie Sanders came close and lost and he's too old for it. So he's grooming Elizabeth Warren. They want a female communist. And to have Hickenlooper and Kasich stand up and say, you know what, we're going to be a unity ticket on the Democratic Party side. Well, they don't think they need to unite the country. They think it's just a small group of racists in the country that, that are opposing them. They don't recognize that it is a majority of Americans who are not down with their social agenda. Again, every bit of data out there shows that a candidate who is fiscally liberal and socially conservative would outperform everyone else. And that's essentially uh, what Donald Trump campaigned as. They're not going to be able to do this with a super social liberal running. But they're not going to be able to do it with Hickenlooper and Kasich either. They are smug and insufferable. I mean, they are two of the least likable politicians in America. The only people who like them are political consultants who can bleed them dry and the media who don't like anyone except themselves. And the media itself is smug and insufferable. This just this is not going to fly. And the rest of us are going to have to deal with the media fascination, the, the media gasm over this. Eric Erickson and Atlanta's Evening News. Who is that guy? I love him. the information you need and the truth you demand every night on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Atlanta's Evening News is sponsored by Comcast Business. Y'all, the left has a new target. 
It, it's not just the Confederate statues. It, it's not Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. It's not the founding fathers. Nope. The newest target of Antifa is, oh, I wish I had a drum roll sound effect. Here we go. The newest target is Dolly Parton. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Dollywood. Dolly Parton's Dollywood has a Dixie stampede. Um, we yes, that that's right. Um, according to well, this is Slate, you know. Uh, Slate is the the left wing site where I mean Slate takes is a is a thing on the internet of of the ridiculousness of some of them. Now let me just read you the 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 quote. Advertised as an extraordinary dinner show pitting north against south in a friendly and fun rivalry. Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede is the lost cause of the Confederacy meets Cirque du Soleil. It's a lily-white kitsch extravaganza that play-acts the Civil War, but never once mentions slavery. It's a dinner party! Hey, what you think about slavery? Instead, it romanticizes the Old South with generous portions of both corn on the cob and southern bells festooned in Christmas lights. At its sister staging in Branson, Missouri, it's put on at an avenue at a venue that can only be described as resembling a plantation mansion, and everyone in the audience must pick a side. So pick the union and shut up about it. Uh, this this woman is is upset. We got to shut this down. Something's got to be done. How dare they divide it into the blue section and the gray section? And oh my goodness gracious. And uh, here's here's the thing. <laughs> she was surprised to see more people of color than she expected. An Asian family, a Latino family, black families. <gasps> and they went to this? Uh, y'all. Some people are going to be outraged about anything. And everything. This is just, it's its ridiculous. And there are Native Americans steeped in magic and racing piglets named after Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Jackson, or Ulysses S. Jackson, Ulysses S. Grant, Robert E. Lee, and Scarlett O'Hara. Oh my God. And there are Northern only, Northerners only and Southerners only bathrooms. Uh, the Northerners only is on a dark colored placard and the southerners only is on a white colored placard y'all <laughs> this whole piece says more about the girl who wrote it than it does dolly parton and dollywood people are gonna want to be offended about anything and this is it i'm and she goes on and on and on ad nauseum let, let me read you the last paragraph just look at the reviews the only suggestion I have is to cut out the part where they talk about the cotton plantation and how gracious it was, complained one visitor to the Pigeon Ford show on TripAdvisor. This is 2015, and it's not—it's just not tasteful anymore to refer to mint juleps and southern bells when these plantations were places of such terrible suffering for so many people. She also complimented the stunts and the food, headlining her review. Trick riders, I ate a whole chicken. Like most reviewers, she gave it five stars. How dare dare she oh my goodness gracious <laughs> y'all oh the left and they really think most americans agree with them 
Sage Steel is ruffling feathers. It's Eric Erickson here, 39 after the hour, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Sage Steel, if you don't know who Sage Steel is, uh, she is taking over SportsCenter. She's going to be co-hosting starting next week. And she has all but said they're going to stay away from politics in SportsCenter. She was on Dan Patrick's radio show talking about this and here's the thing so there i was reading this piece by dan steinberg he's the uh, dc sports blog writer for the washington post uh liberal and uh, liberal views on things and he seems a little bit uh perturbed that she wants to stay away from politics and here's the thing this is the second paragraph in the story this at least and this is her saying she doesn't people don't want to delve into politics sports is their escape he says this at least brings to mind a popular complaint you've no doubt heard especially from political conservatives that espn has gotten away from sports and is too immersed in contentious and polarizing social and political issues y'all you know the left likes to talk about their objective facts they say climate change is an objective fact and, and you're a you're a denier if you don't believe in it or if you believe it but you don't accept the left's policy solutions you also are a denier uh it is a fact it is an objective fact that ESPN's ratings have gone down as the network has gotten more political and the head of the network has refused to acknowledge it many of the anchors have refused to acknowledge it they went through a round of layoffs and they laid off the reporters who actually broke news and they saved the liberal analysts and and the commentators and so here comes Sage Steele who they're putting in charge of Sports Center and she says enough of that there are other shows, uh, First Take and whatnot, on ESPN where people go for that. And now the left is outraged because they can't get politics in their sports. I mean, it, she she said people don't watch Charlotte or watch SportsCenter to hear about Charlottesville. I agree. She also says that uh, she thinks that people come to ESPN for their sports. For the most part, I think we leave social and political issues to the news networks from her vantage point on a sports center. That's my personal opinion, that sports are where we go to escape. And that's what she intends to do with sports center. And the left is upset. By the way, she is a, a black female and liberals are upset with her because she doesn't want sports to be political. You know, I, I, I mentioned this a little bit yesterday and I, I need to mention this again. Not everything has to be political. And in my opinion, it doesn't matter whether you're on the left or the right. The people who make everything political are also the people who are the most miserable. The people you don't want to hang out with. The the people who, they're just terrible people. I would rather break bread with an atheist who can tell a joke than with a Christian who has no sense of humor. I would rather share a dinner table with a left-wing radical feminist who has interesting stories than a conservative who has no good stories to tell and only wants to talk politics. If you can find common ground with someone who you disagree with politically, you will be well-served in life. 
In fact, you will go far in life. You will be successful in life if you can find things besides politics to talk about. And that's part of the problem we have as a country today is that neither side wants to talk about stuff other than politics. I am mindful that I am on a news program, Atlanta's Evening News, and we spend time talking about a lot of the news of the day. And it is very often political news. But I try very hard, if you're a regular listener, you know, to talk about other stuff, whether it's recipes and cooking, my family, uh, faith, religion, culture, you name it, because not every Everything is political. Sports is one of those things that should not be political. And when ESPN tried to make it political, ESPN's ratings went down. And they, for the life of me, cannot understand this. They cannot fathom this. They cannot function with the idea that something should not be political. You know what else is not political? Traffic. We need to go check with Doug Turnbull. Thank you. You you know what else? What is not political? Taylor Swift's new album. It's out today. Well, it's not out today. The first single is out. It's terrible. I'm sorry. It, it's it's not good. Um, I I am not a fan. And now I have an 11 year old who is already lobbying me to take her to the Atlanta concert when Taylor Swift shows up in Atlanta, as she inevitably will. I mean, here's a sample. Tilted stage, the role you made me play the fool. No, I don't like you. I don't like your person. Yeah, and it kind of goes downhill from there. I, I, I literally, I, I have an 11 year old who loves Taylor Swift, loves Taylor Swift. And we got halfway through the song on the way home from school today. She said, like, You can turn it off now. Uh, but Hey, it's not political. It's just her getting revenge on Kanye and all of her ex-boyfriends, I guess. I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, but I mean, we, there are people though, trying to even turn that song into politics. God help us all. Eric Erickson. You may not always agree with him, but you know, he's not going to spin you every day. Five till seven news, 955 and AM seven fifty WSB. All righty, 55 after the hour. Uh, so, Andrew, we've apparently been doing it wrong. We were supposed to come back with this, if we can. Oh yeah, jamming out to Taylor Swift. I, I, the only reason I say this is I got an email from a listener who said, "If you listen to it a couple of times, it grows on you." <laughs> I guess so. You, you know, it, it reminds me. Oh, what was the song? Um, um, oh, come on, brain work. The the Philip Philip song that uh, appeared everywhere. Yes, yes, yes. The the home song. I swear this song was in every commercial. You get to this oh, point and it'd be like, our funeral home will accept your dead relative. I mean, over and over. Everybody used that song. There was there was the the, the gas station, there was the insurance company. Um there there was the I, I, I wanna say there actually was like some sort of life insurance something or other and where they advertised it and on and on and on all of a sudden you'd hear. Oh. 
I just say it's the over over branding of that song. He's apparently out of his contract now. You know, he's a local Atlanta guy, Philip Phillips uh, or Georgia guy, out of his contract releasing new stuff. It's pretty good. I actually uh, liked his album that he released after American Idol, but. I don't know about using some of these songs. I'm sure Taylor Swift will find some of her songs in in other stuff as well. But this this album thing, I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And they're not releasing the names of the other tracks. They should all be named after the ex-boyfriends that she's going after in her songs. (sighs) Anyway, all right, I'm out of time. Don't forget you can text WSB to 444-999, WSB to 444-999, text it, and you can sign up for the daily email, and I will return with you on Monday. Y'all have a good weekend. Enjoy your Friday, rest of it, and the weekend.